Proverbs chapter 27, we're in our series, Foolproofing Your Life. I only have a few more messages in this series, and then we'll be going on to something else. I have certainly enjoyed preaching the series and learning a lot, studying it. I wish we could spend more time. You could preach 30 sermons out of one chapter of Proverbs, but uh, it, uh, just, uh, it's a blessing. If you are just kind of new reading your Bible, and, uh, or you've been reading it for some time, but you're looking for something to read, Read a proverb a day. I tell you, it'll help you. It'll help your spirit, a lot of practical knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs 27, and I'd like to read the whole proverb tonight if I can. It's just so much good stuff. I just wanted to read it, especially verse number one, and I I certainly uh, think you could preach a message on this. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. A stone is heavy and the sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Open rebuke is better than secret love. Let's read verse 6 together. Ready to begin? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A full soul loatheth in honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. A bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Let's read verse number nine together. Ready to begin? Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Verse 10 also. Ready to begin? Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother that is far off. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Take his garment that is surety for a stranger. Take a pledge of him for a strange woman. He that blessed, uh, uh, let's read verse 14 together. Ready, begin. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice. Rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse. My favorite verse in the whole Bible. No, I'm just kidding. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whosoever hideth her, hideth the wind and the ointment of his right hand, which bewrayeth itself. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the counsel of his friend. Let's read that verse. Ready to begin. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Let's go ahead and stop there tonight for sake of time. Father, I pray that you bless the message tonight. Help us, Lord, as we learn how to be a good friend according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are few things in life more valuable than a good friend. God has given us the gift of friendship, a wonderful thing uh, for us to enjoy. Unfortunately, finding that kind of a friend, the kind of friend that is a true friend, uh, is something that's rare in this life. But what is the characteristics of a good friend? Because even though it might be rare to find a good friend, we can always be a good friend. So tonight, we're going to learn about that in the anatomy of a true friend. What is a true friend made of? You know, true friends come in all shapes and sizes. Did you know that animals from different species can be friends? You have that picture back there, Robert? You have that picture of the monkey? Yeah? See that? Look at that. Aww. That's a real, that's not photoshopped, amen? You know, if a monkey and a pigeon can get along, we can get along too, amen? So tonight, from this chapter, we're going to look at five truths about friendship. 
what makes up a true friend. How many of you tonight want to be that kind of a friend, a true friend? I do. And so we're going to see in the scriptures tonight from Proverbs 27, uh, he mentions a lot of things about being a friend, but we see a lot of great examples of friendships in the Bible. Uh, of course, you think of automatically think of David and Jonathan, a great example of a true friendship. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were friends and they hung in there together. I think about Jesus and his disciples. I wonder to myself sometimes if, you know, did Jesus make jokes? Did, they, did he goof around with his disciples sometimes? Did he ever do miracles to play jokes on his disciples? I don't know. But I have a feeling God has a sense of humor, amen? And I think that, uh, I think that of course, uh, God has given us friendship because that's a part of his uh, personality. And of course, there's Paul and Silas singing in the prison together. Uh, uh, and so tonight, we see all these examples of friendship in the Bible. And But we must recognize tonight that if we're going to have the right kind of friends or if we're going to be the right kind of friend, it takes time, it takes effort. It takes consistency in our life. We know that the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, if you have a teenager that's uh, just entering junior high, you've probably said this verse to them once or twice. It's twice. If a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, how many of you parents have to say that to your junior higher? Because they get in junior high, all of a sudden everyone's mean, nobody likes them, and it's their insecurity, by the way. All, the, all kids go through that. And so we, we say that to our kids, but the truth is it's on us adults as well, Amen. I said, it's on us adults as well. If we're going to have friends, we must show ourselves what? Friendly. It's a biblical truth. And, and by the way, I think today more than ever, we need to have good, solid Christian friendships. So important. So important. And so we understand tonight that if we are going to have friends, we must show ourselves friendly. But we also understand that there's the right kind of friends and the wrong kind of friends. We know the story of Amnon who had a friend, Jonadab. Jonadab, the Bible says, was a very subtle man, a sneaky man. He convinced Amnon to do atrocious things and bring shame upon his family. There's bad friends and there's good friends. There are bad friends and there are good friends. There are friends sometimes that we should not have in our life. Well, I grew up with that guy or, well, she's just been there for me all these years. Yes, but if they're pulling your heart away from the Lord, it's a bad friend. It doesn't mean that you, you know, excommunicate them and throw rocks at them or something like that or yell at them like, what is that movie? Get out of here! I don't remember the movie. But anyway, it's the dog. He tells me to get out of there. Anyways, by the way, if you're joining us live tonight, thank you for being with us. We love you, church family, that are watching tonight. But we don't have to treat him that way. We don't have to be rude or those kinds of things. But we just need to know that that's the kind of person or somebody we shouldn't spend a lot of time with. And so we understand it's vital to have the kind of friends in our life that bring us closer to God, the kind of friends in our life that challenge us, that keep our hearts close to God, certainly not drawing us away from God. Thomas Brooks said this, let those by thy choicest companions who have made Christ their chief companion. The Christian should have uh, be ultra, ultra selective in who their friends are. They ought to have a very strict friend screening process. It's important because the truth is we are who we hang out with. We are who we spend time with. So what is the anatomy of a good friend? And certainly we know that. We understand that we should have good friends, but we also should work at being a good friend. Amen? And so what is the anatomy of a good friend? 
I have five quick things tonight. We'll, we'll hopefully end right on time here. So number one, we see a friend is sincere. A friend is sincere. If you're taking notes, there's blank, blanks there in your notes. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Being honest may not get you a lot of friends, but it'll always get you the right ones, John Lennon said. Tim Keller said this, like a surgeon, friends cut you in order to heal you. It's important to have honesty in your friendships. It's important to be an honest friend. Do you have friends in your life that you have given permission to tell you the truth? Are you the kind of friend that tells others the truth, even uh, when it's uncomfortable, if the friend needs you to tell them the truth? Honesty, a friend is somebody, a a true friend is somebody who will be sincere with you, who will be honest with you, who will help you. I have the privilege of working with some of the best staff members on the planet. Uh, Truthfully, truthfully, these men are just incredible people to be around. And and, uh, uh, how many would agree with what I'm saying? Amen. I mean, just great people, great people. And uh, uh, I, I won't name them all, but just, you know, our staff here. And we have staff meetings and, and uh, I love our staff meetings because we, we sit there and we, we talk about ideas and, and we talk about things. And one of our staff members who I've known for a long time, I won't say his name, but he's sitting on the platform right now. But anyway, <laughs> one of our staff members, he's the nicest guy on the planet. How many say amen to that? Always positive, always positive. But Brother, Brother Asprelli has this tell that when I give a dumb idea, he, he has this tell. And I won't tell you what the tell is because then he'll know what it is. But I always know when I give a dumb idea because Brother Asprelli gets this look in his eye. He never says it, though. He just says, whatever you want to do, Pastor. That's the kind of friend you want. Amen? You know, you don't have to be rude to tell the truth. You can be considerate and be truthful. And, uh, and I appreciate our staff. We, they, there's honesty in the staff meetings. And hopefully, I want there to be. And the guys say, hey, you know, let's, let's try this. Let's do this. And there ought to be. But there's friendship there. There's honesty there. And you ought to have some people in your life that can be honest with you. If you're the kind of person that cannot hear honesty, you're in a bad place. Because how many understand we all need honesty sometimes? Amen. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27. An ungodly man diggeth up evil in his lips. There is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife and a whisperer separateth chief friends. See, somebody who's not honest, who's gossiping, constantly talking about others behind their back, they separate friends. They cause problems. That should never be us. That should never be us. We should never, ever, ever talk about people behind their backs. I know that's convicting, but all God's people said, unless it's a good, positive thing. Boy, Brother Asprella, he's a, he's a wonderful guy, isn't he? Not, man, he's got this tell. Every time I try to give an idea, no, I'm just kidding. We should do a lot less gossiping, amen, about others. Instead of being hurtful about someone behind their back, let's be a good friend. If we have something that needs to be said, let's say it to their face and be honest. A good friend is, number one, what? Sincere, sincere. May we strive to be a sincere person. Number two, a good friend is supportive. A true friend is supportive. Look at verse 9 of our chapter. Look at what David says. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. Boy, it smells good. And isn't it? How many of you have boys? You have little boys. Anybody have little boys? Boy, when they take a shower and they got fresh shampoo in their hair, boy, it just rejoices the heart. Amen. Well, you, you don't, you know, anyway, you don't smell like an old lemon. Amen. You smell good. And so uh, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Boy, a good friend 
is supportive. He's there. She's there. They give you a hearty counsel. They tell you the truth, but they tell you, and they encourage you along. They'll say, man, you're not going to make it. Not that kind of truth, you know. Uh, you just, you don't look good in that at all, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no. Have you ever heard of Jackie Robinson? Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. Breaking baseball's color bear. I think you got a picture back there, Robert, of him, I hope. And uh, he faced jeering crowds in every stadium. While playing one day at his home stadium in Brooklyn, he committed an error. The fans began to ridicule him. He stood at second base, humiliated, while the fans jeered. Just then, shortstop Pee Wee Reese came over and stood next to him and put his arm around Jackie Robinson and faced the crowd. The fans grew quiet. Robinson later said that that arm around his shoulder saved his career. I guess they missed the picture, but that's all right. How many would agree that there's enough negativity in the world? There's enough people not supporting other people, that's for sure. So as a friend, we can be supportive of someone else. Hey, you're doing a great job. Hey, I love what you're doing there. Boy, I just appreciate the way you, and just being supportive and being a support to others. When we come to church, there should be a general spirit of support for everyone. Uh, that's a good place to say amen. When we come to church, there should be a general spirit of support for everyone. For everybody. Supporting one another. Hey, how did that job interview go? Hey, how's your job? How's your family? And just, I'm just supporting one another and lifting one another up because out there in the world, there's a lot of this going on constantly. Amen. We ought to, there ought to be that support. Sometimes support is a phone call or a text. Sometimes support is helping a friend move. Sometimes support is standing up for a friend when others don't. Let's be a friend. Let's be supportive. So a true friend is both number one, what? Sincere. And number two, what? Supportive. How many with me so far? Amen. How many want to be that kind of friend? I do. Number three. Number three. A true friend is steadfast. Steadfast. Look at verse 10. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. That's an interesting thing to say. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother that is far off. This verse is saying it's better to have a close friend who is loyal, who will be there when you need them, even if they're not your own blood relative. It's better to have a close friend who will be there when you need them than someone who's your blood relative who doesn't show up when you need them. And sometimes there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we understand that people use that in the context of Jesus, and that is certainly true. But it is also true to be, be a, the kind of friend that's there for other people and to be that kind of a friend I think about our church family for many, in our church family for many, this church is their family. And for some, it's the only family they have. And so we need to certainly treat others in our church like family. Church family, can I just, can I just come down at our level for a second? We ought to treat everybody like family. This is Olive Garden, baby. Doesn't breadsticks sound good right now, Brother Renison? Those buttery, that butter stuff and that salt they put on them, you know what I'm talking about? I got some people in here juice fasting. I'm just mentioning a lot of carbs tonight. Even somebody who's new, we should treat like family. I don't recognize them. Treat them like family. We're the family of God, amen? So I don't know if they're the family of God. Ask them. Have you ever been saved? When did you get saved? Tell me about that. Robert, stop telling me to move over. All right, I'll move over. Got to stay in camera. But we tonight, we ought to treat everyone like family. Even people, I understand sometimes you see someone over and over again. I'm just trying to help us tonight. You see someone over and over again, and you think, now it's a little bit awkward for me to ask their name. 
Here's what you do. Go up to him and say, this is awkward. I should have learned your name a long time ago. What's your name? How we would appreciate that if somebody did that for you. So don't feel awkward about that. If you don't know somebody, just say, I'm sorry. I should know your name. Tell me your name one more time. And so it's important. I said it's important, especially as church family, that we treat one another. We're steadfast. We're steadfast. By the way, that's important. Why? That's why it's important. Listen to what I'm saying, that we are humbled, humble and grace-filled and faithful to church. There are some people in this church looking to you for encouragement. There are some people in this church looking to you for steadfastness. Let that sink in for a moment. I don't want that kind of pressure on me. Too bad. There are some people that look to you, and when you're not here, they think to themselves, what's going on? They're always here. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody. I'm just simply telling you, some people, some people are looking to you for that. And yes, we're supposed to look to Jesus. I understand all that. But you understand, new Christians, they need to see some faithfulness around them. I'm so thankful in my life. I've known many faithful Christians who have shown me that through thick and through thin, you can be faithful. That's why it's important to be grace-filled, to be faithful, because there are people in church that need steady friends. Someone is looking to you like family. And so friends should be steadfast. Listen, don't give up on a friend because they make a mistake. Now, I understand it, you know, I understand there's maybe some scenarios that we don't want to get into, but, but for the most part, if a friend disappoints you, uh, I, I don't remember who said it, but somebody said, we need to have a large graveyard in the back, in our backyard where we bury our friend's mistakes because a friend is steadfast. I'm so thankful that there are people in my life who I've disappointed, who I've let down. They're still a friend to me. And all God's people said, a friend is sincere. A friend is supportive. A friend, a true friend is steadfast. Let me give you number four. A friend, a true friend is sympathetic. Sympathetic. He, I love this part. I love this verse, verse 14. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. How many of you live with somebody who wakes up early and makes a lot of noise? All right, just raise your hand. I know you know who you are. Point at him right now. Yeah, that's you right there. Do you have to turn on the light? It's 5.15 in the morning. Anyway, when I was in Bible college, I was my first roommate, and uh, I was not, I never lived with other people before. I have one brother. He's six years younger than me, so I never really had roommates. It was just me, and uh, so I moved into this Bible college dorm with four other guys, and my wife knows him, and, and, and Mrs. Skaggs, you know Anthony Trujillo. But anyway, Anthony Trujillo is a pastor. He's a pastor in Mariposa now, not too far from here. But um, he was my first roommate, and uh, one of my first roommates. And we shared a bunk bed together. And uh, I was on the bottom bunk. He was like seven foot tall. I don't know why he was on the top bunk, but he was on the top bunk. And, uh, and I remember, you know, this is going to be great, you know, living, you know, with, this is going to be like, you know, having friends and living with other people. And how many of you ever lived in a dormitory before with other people? No, it's not like that at all. It's the worst. <laughs> Amen, Brother Joey. That's a <laughs> anyway, um, and so I'm laying there and, uh, and this, it's like the first week of school. And at, I'm not making this up at 4.30 or 4.45 in the morning, eh, 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 snooze. 5 a.m., eh, 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 snooze, 5.15, eh, eh, and it went like that all the way until I got up at the ripe time of 7 o'clock in the morning. Let me understand, you're done at that point, amen? Well, that went on 
Now I'm just a young guy. He's a senior. That went on and it went on. We laugh about it now when we see each other at Masters Med. But anyway, that went on for weeks. Finally, I got so upset, I grabbed his, his alarm clock and threw it across the room. And uh, oh, I, didn't, I missed the best part. Did I tell you how he hit the snooze button? With his foot. Verse 14. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, he'll be counted a curse on him. Here's the thing. Friends are sympathetic. They're courteous towards one another. James Vernon McGee said this, there's a brotherhood within the body of believers and the Lord Jesus Christ is the common denominator. Friendship and fellowship are the legal tender among believers. Friendship, friendship and fellowship. We ought to be sympathetic and we ought to be courteous towards one another. You know, sometimes we don't always have the same views about everything. And all God's people said, there are people in our church that, that voted for someone different than you voted for. We need to be sympathetic and we need to be careful. Don't look at the floor. There's no quarters there. And all God's people said, amen. This is one body of Christ. We need to be careful about that stuff. Two men were hunting in northern U.S. Suddenly one yelled to the other, look up. And he said, look up. There's a grizzly bear coming at us. The first started to frantically put on his tennis shoes. And his friend anxiously asked, what are you doing? Don't you know you can't outrun a grizzly bear? He said, I don't have to outrun a grizzly bear. I just have to outrun you. That's not the kind of friend you want. Amen. <laughs> Sympathetic. You want a friend that gives you a ride, but doesn't throw you under the bus. Amen. That's the kind of friend we want to be. The kind of friend that's sympathetic and courteous and sees from other people's points of view sometimes. We don't always have to agree on everything, but we do need to be a good friend. And so a good friend is number what? Number one, what? Sincere. Number two, what? Supportive. Number three, what? And number four, lastly tonight, a good friend, a true friend is sharpening, sharpening. Look at verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. To understand this verse, we need to go back in time a little bit and talk about weapons that were used before there was iron, weapons were made mostly out of wood and bronze, bronze being a much softer metal. It was primarily used, bronze was primarily used before 1300 BC. It was running short because of all the wars going on at the time. So the Aegean people, quite possibly because of some Bible verses, was actually the Philistines were the first ones to actually use iron. They developed the skill for making weapons out of much stronger iron, and it became a revolutionary weapon for them and allowed them to, of course, conquer many nations. You can read about that if you want to go deeper in the study on that. First Samuel chapter number 13, you can read about the blacksmiths that the Philistines had. And actually, it says that the Israelites had no blacksmiths at that time. And so uh, uh, over the next couple of decades, the technology leaked out and Israel became into the possession of this newfound skill. And so sometime during the age of King, of King David's rule, they discovered how to use iron and how to uh, make weapons out of it. And so they made weapons for themselves. By the time Solomon was writing Proverbs chapter 27, the making and sharpening of iron swords was a huge national endeavor and allowed military independence for a relatively young nation. Iron sharpening iron was a brand new process for the nation of Israel. This is how you sharpen iron. There are three steps. First, there was pounding out of the sword with an iron hammer. This would flatten it around the edges like sheet metal. And these are the kind of friends that we need in our life. Friends that give us 
that we give permission to speak truth to us that will hammer out foolishness and wrong thinking. We want to be sharp for the Lord in our life, so we need good friends in our life that aren't afraid to hammer out the foolishness out of us. Now, I don't know who that friend is for you. I could list three or four friends that I have in my life that, are, that I've given permission to hammer out foolishness in me. And that's the kind of friend that you want to have. And all God's people said, amen, amen. And so tonight, men, give your pastor sometimes permission to speak the truth to you. Men, give other people like your father or other mentors in your life, give them permission to speak truth to you. Young men, 18, 19, 20, 25 years old, young men, give some older men permission in your life to speak truth into your life and quit being such a baby about it. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. This is just not a safe space. You need men that won't be safe around you that will tell you you the truth because we need the truth sometimes. I know I do. And we don't be rude about it and all those kinds of things. I know there's a wrong way to do things and a right way. But uh, listen, if you have a friend in your life that a mentor or something like that that speaks truth to you, be thankful for that. Amen. Uh, ladies, ladies need godly friends. Have an older, wiser lady who's been around the block a few times who knows about raising children, who knows about marriage, and have that kind of a person as your friend to speak truth into your life. Those, those kinds of friends are so important. And so there's the pounding of the sword with the iron hammer. And then secondly, uh, they would use a flat iron file to, uh, to smooth out the, age, the edges and make them uh, sharp. I was thinking about this filing process, and I was thinking about it's a long, tedious process, and it takes time. And I was thinking about this. Uh, we need to be careful who we spend the most time with in our life, who we spend the most time with. Um, and you know, sometimes in ministry, especially, you spend time with different kinds of people, but in our life, who we spend the most times with ought to be people that are sharpening us. Definitely not people that are dulling up our edge. Amen. Thirdly, they would use another piece of very smooth iron. And this iron, they, they called it lifting the edge. They would rub that iron on the other iron until it lifted the edge and made it razor sharp. This would have been done so uh, every time the edge would become dull again, they would take the, uh, the, the sword in because it has lost its edge Sometimes we refer to someone in their life who've, who've, uh, who've kind of gotten dull in their life. They refer to that as, oh, he's lost his edge. Uh, and so we use that kind of phraseology in our life. And so I thought about this. Sometimes in our life, we just need a little bit of sharpening. That's what a good revival is for. That's what a men's conference is for. That's what a ladies' conference is for. That's what going out to lunch with somebody is for. Just that little bit of, little bit of extra just to lift that edge. And so we need to have things in our life. I think about ladies' activities and things like that. We need things like that to bring our edge back. By the way, we regularly need the sharpening of church in our life, the sharpening of church. When Solomon stated, iron is sharpening iron as a man sharpeneth the counts of friends, this was the cutting edge of technology. No pun intended, amen? It was the cutting edge. This was just now taking place. And so everyone who read this would understand how important iron sharpening iron was. Solomon understood how important it was to have good friends. Church family, we need to, be, this, we need to recognize it's important to develop a community around us that sharpens us, that keeps us sharp for the Lord. And so what is the anatomy of a true friend? Number one, a true friend is what? Oh, got you there. A true friend is what? 
sincere, sincerely concerned for one another, honest about uh, to and about one another. Number two, a true friend is what? Supportive. We should be there for one another, ready to encourage and lift up, lift up each other. Number three, a true friend is what? Steadfast, someone who is there no matter what. No, and then number four, a true friend is what? Sympathetic. He has concern for his friend. He's concerned about how he feels and considerate, uh, considerate about what's going on in their life. And lastly tonight, a true friend is sharpening. I have two practical questions for you, and then we'll pray. Here's the two questions. Number one, who are your friends? Who are your friends? Do you have friends in your life that meet these criteria? Do you have friends who are sharpening you in your life right now? The second question is this, what kind of a friend are you? Perhaps you've not been as sincere or steadfast or one of the other things that we've talked about. Perhaps you're not sharpening your friends up like you should. So maybe tonight the Lord is calling you to be a better friend. Let's all pray together.